You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama Sports, and Sports Director for WVUA 23. It's time for The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama Sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, here we go, everybody. It's 2024. Man, alive. <laughs> Got to make that adjustment uh, going into this week. Welcome into the Gary Harris Show here on Tide 100.9 FM, 1230 AM, WTBC, the Tide 109 app, Tide109.com. I'm your host, Gary Harris, Justin Jones. He is ready to go. In fact, he's been uh, he's been going since early this morning. He's been going since uh, before 6 AM here on uh, Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM, WTBC. Got... Uh, you know, already in the books this morning, Martin Houston and Wimp and Barry inside the locker room. Now it's time for the Gary Harris show. And, and, uh, we got a lot to cover this morning. Uh, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think content is going to be an issue. Uh, where should we start? Let me guess, but we're going to hold off starting for just a second. Cause the first thing I want to do is tell you this hour, the Gary Harris show, just like in 2023 is being brought to you by Alabama credit union, member owned and not for profit. It really is just a better way of banking Alabama credit union loans for real life. It's a new year. So, maximize your financial capability and your financial options. Become a member of the Alabama Credit Union. Again, find out more at alabamacu.com. That's alabamacu.com. Alabama Credit Union loans for real life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership to join today and feel good about your money. And put extra change in your pocket. All right, uh, coming up today, uh, Rose Bowl recap all morning long. We'll be breaking down Alabama and uh, Michigan in depth. Also looking ahead to the national championship game between Washington and Michigan and some interesting uh, insight into that that I think it can provide. Uh, we've got a great guest lineup too. We're kind of combining Monday and Tuesday at 930. It's the Rocket Man, Rudy Arman from 977 ESPN Radio in Huntsville. 10 o'clock, Mr. Titer inside of Rodney Orr. Then at uh, 1030, the uh, Titans report with Kayla Anderson. <clears throat> but of course, we'll get her take on college football as well. All right, Justin, uh, let's dive right in. If people want to jump in on the program, we've got some Nick Saban and Jalen Milrow sound as well that we might get to, but you can join us on the First and Main Condominiums hotline at 205-342-9904. That's 205-342-9904. Join us anytime. All right, I'm just going to dive right in because I think we know uh, where we're going to start. First of all, we're going to get <clears throat> a 15-0 and national champion again this year because both Washington and Michigan are 14 and 0. The two one-loss teams, uh, Texas and Alabama lost to the two undefeated teams. Of course, 27-20 Alabama falls to Michigan in the Rose Bowl in overtime, and then uh, Washington holds off a furious Texas rally uh, in the Sugar Bowl 37 to 31. So, I'll get to my thoughts on the national championship game coming up. But we're going to be again obviously with what happened out in Pasadena, California at the historic Rose Bowl, Alabama could have won, but uh, but they didn't. And uh, Michigan could have won, and they did. And that's the way it goes. In these kind of games, you got to make a play or two to win the game. Uh, I didn't think Alabama played particularly well. Uh, and I thought Michigan probably deserved to win the game. And I think Michigan, to be honest with you, is a little bit better team than Alabama. Having said that, Michigan opened up the door for Alabama with some some kicking miscues. I mean, they muffed a punt. Alabama recovered. Uh, they missed a couple of field goals. They had a bad snap on a extra point. And then right at the end, Justin, they almost lost the game when that kid tried to fill that punt, you know, down inside the 10-yard line and came very close to picking it up and being tackled in the end zone. I mean, I mean, within like half yard. And that would have, you know, that would have given Alabama the win. Uh, but I don't know. I, I thought that um, Alabama was fortunate to only be down 
what was it at the half? 13 to 10? I think they were fortunate to be down at the half, just 13 to 10. And then I thought in the third quarter they were going to go ahead and put this thing away. I, I, the third quarter was Alabama's best quarter by far, and uh, they had some chances. And, you know, even in the fourth quarter, I thought that, um, you know, Alabama had a couple opportunities to put it away, but give Michigan credit. They didn't blink. I said going into the game, even though I picked Alabama to win the game, I said, you know, it might be Michigan's time, a lot like Alabama in 2009. I, I just felt like that they had knocked on the door the last couple of years. Most of those guys came back, veteran quarterback, veteran running back, veteran team, period, well-coached team. I don't care for Harbaugh. I'm like a lot of people. He's peculiar. He's not my cup of tea. I think he's kind of a weirdo, uh, but he's a tremendous football coach, and um you know, he, he did a phenomenal job. As for Alabama, uh, yeah, I'm disappointed, but I'm not, it's not the end of the world. I think it was a heck of a year. And I think if you can remove your disappointment and the immediacy of losing in the college football playoff, you will agree that it was a heck of a year for this team to get to where it got to. I, I do think it overachieved a little bit. I don't think Alabama's as good as Georgia and they won that game. Uh, I don't think Alabama's as good as Michigan and they almost won that game. Uh, there were several other games that they won that they could have lost. I mean, they're, you know, they played a lot of close games, a lot of games that were decided in the fourth quarter. And, uh, you know, I, I think this team had a heck of a year to go nine and zero in the SEC to win the SEC championship, to beat a Georgia team that was going for a three-peat and hadn't lost in two years. Uh, and then when you look at the two losses, they lost two, two college football playoff teams. You know, they lost to Texas, which, you know, went, made it to the semifinal and they lost to Michigan, which is playing for the national championship. So I'm trying to keep it in perspective. And I think Alabama is going to be really good again next year in the game yesterday. Could have Alabama, you know, could Alabama have played better? Sure, they could have. But when you play great teams, you know, we all, and I've said this before, you've heard me say this before. People say, well, you got exposed. Of course you get exposed when you play great teams. Any, any weaknesses that you have are going to come out. You don't, you don't get exposed when you play teams that can't match up with you. Okay. That, that, that's not what exposes your weaknesses. But some of the things that Alabama had dealt with off and on all year, um, they continue to deal with all the way into game 14. The center quarterback exchange situation, whether it was all McLaughlin's fault, I don't know. Whether some of it was on Milrow, I don't know. Uh, but that was an issue all year for this team. All year. My gosh, it almost cost them the Iron Bowl. It certainly didn't help him yesterday. Even on the final play, the snap was a little bit low, which I do think threw Jalen off a little bit. That's something they never got fixed. That's on the coaching staff. Whether you want to say it's on Nick Saban or Coach Wolford, the offensive line coach, or any of the offensive coaches, that's something that should not you should not be dealing with 14 games into the season. And they were dealing with it. The pre-snap penalties, which they'd gotten better at, but still, that was an issue all year. And then in the game yesterday, um, I thought Michigan's defense early on just fire rushed Alabama. They didn't have an answer. Those first couple possessions, thankfully they got the touchdown after the uh, muff punt because they couldn't block them. And then Milrow did get more indecisive, and he slipped some on that on that wet turf. I was told by people that were at the game that it was slick. But he did not have his best game. And, you know, I'll have some thoughts on the 
the week leading up to the game. I, I was a little disappointed that he used that week of press conferences. I will, I, you know, maybe I, I've called it off air a, a victory lap. I don't think it was a victory lap, but I do think it was I told you so type of thing with, with the Bill O'Brien comments and who got the last lap. There's time for that after the season. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't care for that. I didn't, first of all, what's Bill O'Brien got to do with it now? What's it matter? It doesn't matter. Jalen Monroe is not the first quarterback that has been told that he should move to another position by coach. It, it's happened to a lot of quarterbacks. And so I didn't really like the pregame rhetoric of, of, you know, we're here, you know, nobody said we could get here and all this kind of stuff. The, the job wasn't finished. So anyway, there's some things that, that are disappointing. Anytime that you lose, you're disappointed. I still think it was a heck of a year for this football team. Only one team from the SEC uh, gets to win the SEC championship. Alabama won it. You know, it's like I I said last night when I was talking with some people, and I did some social media stuff too. Um, Coach Bryant won six national championships at Alabama. He lost several more. Coach Saban's won six national championships at Alabama. He's lost several more. Just getting there is an accomplishment. To get into the college football playoff. You know, now it's going to be expanded and you're going to have some of these teams that never were good enough. They can never do it, whether it's Ole Miss or Missouri or, you know, you can insert team that might make it into a 12-team playoff. And they're excited because you know what? They couldn't they couldn't cut it when it was a BCS game or a 14 playoff. And as far as Alabama's concerned, think about this as well. Okay? Think about this. You lose to Texas. He barely beat South Florida. It wasn't looking good. To navigate through that season, to win some close ball games, to beat Auburn on a fourth and goal from the 31-yard line, and then to beat Georgia, and still to get into the playoff. There was no guarantee. If Florida State doesn't lose Jordan Travis, they get in ahead of Alabama. So you could have been sitting outside the playoff to begin with. Could have been an SEC champion playing in a in an Orange Bowl. So it was a great accomplishment to get there. So I'm disappointed, but at the same time, only one team's going to win the national championship. Now Alabama got a chance to play for it again. Yes, this is the first time since Nick Saban has been here that Alabama's gone three years without a title. But they played for it two years ago. And they played in the semifinal this year. So this program and won SEC championship both those seasons. So they won the SEC championship two of the last three years, even though they didn't win the national title. So I still think they're in really, really good shape. The college football landscape is changing. It's changing fast. It's going to change some more. I think there's going to be, um, I think there's going to be some things that are, I think, changed before the kickoff of the next season. I really do. Whether it's portal changes or NIL changes. We know the conferences are changing. We know the SEC is bringing in Texas, Oklahoma. The Big Ten is bringing in four Pac-12 teams, including Washington. And a real quick thought on that. This is really, you had a chance for an SEC versus Big Ten or an SEC versus SEC or a Big Ten versus a Big Ten National Championship game. you got a Big Ten versus Big Ten. I know technically Washington's still in the Pac-12, but they're joining the Big Ten. Texas is technically still in the Big 12, but they're joining the SEC. So you have to give it to the Big Ten. Their two teams bested the two SEC teams. The two undefeated teams bested the two one-loss teams. 
All right, I said uh, if we got some calls, we'd go ahead and take it. So we're going to go ahead and take Dossie before the break. We'll have time to, because uh, he's been on hold since early in the show. Uh, good morning, Dossie. How are you? Hey, Gary. How are you? Doing well, um, thanks. Uh, I was crushed last night. I watched movies and didn't even want to watch the other game. But I'm like you. I'm, I feel like we overachieved. And it's funny, I was going to call you, but I don't want to say you stole my thunder, but you hit on all the points I was going to make. I mean, Let's don't beat up on Seth McLaughlin too much because it is the coaching staff. A, why didn't it get fixed? B, is there nobody behind him that can do a better job? That's concerning. That's a little bit alarming to me. But um, I told people before, our fans just kill me. We had so many overconfident fans that thought we were going to win by, you know, 14, 17. I knew the margin of error against this team was really thin. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was going to be a lot like playing Georgia. I mean, I'm no college football expert by any means, but watching Michigan, they don't make a lot of mistakes. Their special teams were awful yesterday. Right. But other than that, they were crisp. I mean, they were they were very efficient. They don't make a lot of penalties. They don't turn it over. Let's give Michigan a little bit of credit because you had had a worse start to a football game, an interception on the first play, and a muff punt, and they overcame it. They've overcome losing their coach for three weeks, and they're very mentally tough. And they were angry yesterday. You could tell they were they were annoyed. And um, like you said, I mean, the 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 uh, the flaws. This team's deeply flawed. This flaws that that came up all year came up again last night. Um, I'm sort of like you on Milrow. I, I, I love what he does for our program. I think he's a really seems to be a good person and a very tough competitor, but. Uh, you know, maybe talk a little less, you know, and, and, um, you know, I thought he at times looked a little bit rattled. Um, but, uh, I think you have to give Michigan a lot of credit. They overcame some really sloppy play. Um, and that's the only thing, Gary, that really surprises me. We've been so crisp in these playoff games. And last night, it just looked like we were. I don't know. It looked like we're well. You, again, Doss, you said something. You played. You played a really, really good team, and um, you you played a team that you know third year in a row in the semifinal. As you said, something to prove a veteran team, an experienced team, and anything that you had showed on video that was a weakness, they were going to be good enough to exploit it, and they did. And um, uh, you know, it, it just when you get to this point. You got to be, you got to be really clean in your execution and you've got to have, um, you know, you got to have a little better, a little better, uh, output than Alabama had last night. And Alabama still could have won the game. I mean, it could have won the game. Uh, even after Michigan tied it, um, you know, Alabama had time and you got, you know, arguably the best kicker in the country. You know, if you get him with, you know, you get it to about, you know, the 35 yard line of Michigan and you're probably going to win that football game. And they couldn't do it and give Michigan credit for that. Uh, because Alabama still had a very good opportunity to win that game. And, you know, they really didn't come close and, um, they missed some plays and, um, you know, and Michigan was good enough to hang in there and take advantage. It was a lot like the Iron Bowl, and I'm not comparing the quality of the two teams. Don't get me wrong. Michigan's a much better team than Auburn, obviously. But, you know, I felt like if Alabama could have ever got two scores up on, on Auburn, they could have they could have ran away and hidden. And I think if they could have gotten two scores up on Michigan last night, they could have won that game. And they just couldn't do it. They, You know, the the I thought the big play in the game 
was the fumble by Milroe because at that point Alabama had momentum. They had a lot of momentum. And um if you go down and get a touchdown there, I, I think you're gonna win the game. And um but they weren't able to do it. Give Michigan credit, like you said, Dawson. I think Michigan won the game more than Alabama lost it. And uh, when they got in the overtime, you know, Michigan just, you know, just 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 ran it up their their rear end, <laughs> you know? And so uh, you lost the game. You lost it in overtime. You lost a great team. You won the SEC championship. And um, now you got to try to come back and do it again next year. And it's going to be, even though the playoffs is going to be expanded, it's, it's going to be a much more, it's going to be much more difficult to win the SEC championship, I think. Well, let me say this too, and I don't know how you feel about it, but you can, you can love or hate Jim Harbaugh. I, I, he's, he's an odd guy, obviously. And I think there are people in the world that, that's, I don't think he means it intentionally, just like the average I, I, I person. Think so. I think he's street. a jerk. I, I think he's a jerk. I, I, I can't stand the guy. I think he's. I think he's a jerk. I, I think if he's your coach, you love him. If you're a Michigan fan, you love him. I think his players love him. I think I know where you're going with this. He's a great coach. He is terrific. I. I but I think he's. I think he's a clown. I mean, I can't stand the guy. Uh, I mean, he's one of the most unlikable coaches I have ever seen. But that doesn't mean that he can't coach because he can. That's what I was going to say. I think, you know, he took the, the 49ers to the Super Bowl. Sure he turned Stanford around. And like I said, with all these distractions, I think you said it last week, with all this noise going on around his program, he, he kept them focused. I don't know how you feel, but I thought there were a couple of play calls that either he or his coordinator made that were really good. Took advantage of some mismatches. Oh, I thought they outschemed like Alabama you. the whole game. I, I thought they outschemed Alabama. I, I thought their coaching staff, I thought, you know, especially you could see it early in the game, and Alex has said Alabama was in it the whole way. But I thought, you know, Michigan took advantage of some things with Alabama, and I'm not sure how the little crossing routes. Thankfully, they, they, you know, they missed a couple of them, but they seemed like they were open all day. And, uh, you know, defensively, they, they just kept, Getting loose and getting free to, um, to, to, you know, throw Alabama for a loss. Although, although losing yardage, whether it was the snaps, always a problem for Alabama loss all year. They had a lot of negative plays this year and a lot of negative plays in that game yesterday. And I thought you're right. I think Michigan was ready. They were, they were confident. They were well coached and they felt like over four quarters and it didn't take four quarters. It took more, but I think they felt like if, if over four quarters, they'd find a way to win the game. And they did. And, you know, they deserve all the credit for it. But I don't like Jim Harbaugh. I don't have to like the guy. And I, do, I don't and like I, it and either. I, and I do think, and I do think they, not, hey, listen, a lot of people will say if you're not cheating, you're not trying. But there are limits to it. And I think what they did with, with, with sign stealing was much like what the Houston Astros had done. It, it, it was, it was a concerted effort to cheat more so than just, hey, we're trying to steal signs off the sidelines during the game. And you know what? Much like the Astros, it's not going to matter. They're, they're, they got a chance to win the national championship. But I think they cheated and they got caught. And that speaks to the character of the guy as a, as, as a person. Well, I don't like him either. But I, 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 I do think he has an element of him. He doesn't realize what's coming out of his mouth. And I think that's arrogance. I think that's, you know, just narcissism and arrogance. I don't like him either. But but anyway, Gary, I know you got to go. And look, everybody, we'll be back. We'll be all right. We're, I think I agree with you. We're on the right path. So have a good day. Thank you, Dawson. Good phone call. 921, we'll get to the break. We'll come back and uh, got time for another phone call in the next segment. 205-342-9904. Then Drew Arm and the Rocket Man at 930. This is the Gary Harris Show. Gary Harris and Justin Jones right here on Tide 100.9 FM, 1230 AM WTBC. The Tide 109 app and Tide109.com. 
Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your Tennis Free has evolved. It will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the Free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and Free Special. Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., get a meat and free vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch Soup, Salad, or Sandwich Combo. I'll see you at the Free. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny sky today, Tuscaloosa side 51. Tonight, increasingly cloudy with a low at 32. Tomorrow, cloudy and colder. Some light rain at times during the day, the high 42. And for Thursday, mostly sunny, the high 51. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 34 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of the Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. All right, 9.23. Um, I've been getting a lot of messages through social media this morning. Um, one, I got a when we were in the first segment was, do I think Saban's lost his fastball? No. Has Kirby Smart lost his fastball? If, if, if whoever loses the national championship game, Kalen DeBoer, Jim Harbaugh, they lost their fastball if they don't win the national championship? No, I don't think he's lost his fastball. Why would he have lost his fastball when he took a team that a lot of people counted out early in the year and said had no shot to win the SEC West no shot to get to Atlanta. Was going to lose three, four, or five games, and they lost a overtime game in the Rose Bowl in the College Football Playoff semifinal. I don't think he's lost his fastball. I, I think this was one of his better coaching jobs. <clears throat> you know, again, is Kirby did Kirby Smart lose his fastball? They didn't even make it to the College Football Playoff. Gary, I've been thinking about this. It's they're trying to create it in their mind. They're just tired of getting beat and outplayed by Nick Saban. They they want him to fall out so badly that they just keep saying it after every little tiny thing. It's it's so annoying at this point. And it doesn't even bother me, all you know, this stuff about it's been an amazing streak. Well, Alabama's now gone three years without a national championship. First time I'm going to say, think about that. How amazing is that, that, that this is the first time they've gone three years without a national championship? How amazing is that? That's what's amazing. Hey, Michigan trying to win their first one since, what is it, 97? Washington trying to win their first one since 91? I mean, come on, man. <laughs> and they're hard to win. All right, let's talk to Jeff up in Tennessee. Good morning, Jeff. How's it going, guys? Doing well. Well, uh, we, we have to think about the SEC, five and four in bowl games. Does that matter to you or, or a bowl game just exhibition? Well, I picked, it, I picked them to uh -huh. go five and four. So I, I think okay. I think they did. I sure I did. I picked them five to four, five and four. I, I, I thought you pick them nine and zero. Oh. Don't, don't it mean more in the SEC? I thought it meant more, doesn't it? Doesn't it mean more? I want to hear from you. Does it mean more? I, I thought it nine and zero. Oh. What, what, what about Sankey graduating the Big Ten? What y'all think of that? Y'all like that? 
Well, first of all, I think five and four, five and four is a pretty good record. When you look at the caliber bowl games that SEC was playing, and no, I never thought they would go nine and zero. Like I said, I picked them to go five and four. I mean, what's your point? I don't get your point. Because it means more than the SEC. We're so great at football. It should be nine and zero. It should be good, shouldn't it? I mean, you know, no, it shouldn't be. Because it means more doesn't mean you're going to win every game you play. Well, I mean, I mean the way the way y'all got Saban, he can't lose a football game. It's in Saban we trust. He can't lose one. If he loses one, it, I mean, they, they want Tommy Reese gone. They want Jalen Miro on the transfer portal. They want him to transfer. Okay, who's they? Who's they? I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know anybody who wants Nick Saban gone. Yeah. Who's the they? Who, give me somebody. Who, who, who wants Nick Saban not to be the coach at Alabama? Talking about they want Tommy Reese fired, the offensive coordinator. Who's they? The fans, the media, media fans. I don't and want media. Tommy Reese fired. I don't think anybody that knows football wants Tommy Reese fired. Well, they were just on Twitter last night. All the Alabama fans do. When he had that no, Alabama when he fans fired. don't. When Come on, give me a break. Because an eighth grade coach, a eighth grade coach can call a better play than that. After two timeouts, a middle school coach up here can talk Every better. school's Man. got those kind of fans, Jeff. That's not well, yeah, me in yeah, Alabama. Knows, people, like Alabama. when they lose, aren't happy. A lot of pe- people that are that understand football don't want Tommy Reese gone. Give me a break. Come on, man. Every team that loses in a bowl game, or their fans are going to be upset. Are you a Tennessee well, well, fan? I'm telling you, that there's people that want that Jalen Milrow in the transfer portal. Want him to transfer Jalen Milrow. They want him to transfer. Put him in the transfer board right now. They want him to transfer, okay? I'm just telling you what the fans are doing on social media. I don't That's care what they're doing. That they got they got no they've got no uh consequence at all on what's gonna happen. And they're and and that's not every fan. The fans that, that are out there on social media, many of them are the loudest fans. They're frustrated. Like you can find every school that lost their final game, yeah, you know, that, that are gonna be frustrated. It's not representative of where the program's at or what's gonna happen. So yeah, like I said, I had somebody text me and say, is that Nick Saban lost his fastball? Of course he hasn't. But that's, that's what fans do, Jeff. You know that. That's why, that's why they're fans. I agree with what I'm just saying. I'm telling you that you, you got him on a pedestal where he can't lose ball games. Y'all put him on a pedestal where he can't lose. When he does, it's a problem. I'm not part of, I don't know who y'all is, but I'm not y'all. I am a fan base. And when we're talking about, we ain't talking about you, I am a fan base. The whole fan base. I've never seen so many Michigan fans in all my life. I went to watch the game last night wearing number two jerseys. There's about 12 of them, about four Bama fans that Mar I was in here in Murfreesboro last night. I've never seen so many Michigan fans. I thought I was in Michigan. Well, you know, Jeff, you got, you got to admit it's been a while for them. They're hungry. <laughs> That's a hungry fan base. You know what I mean? SEC team Monday night, and I love ESM. That's every single minute of it. Because Sankey had to tell the Big Ten, congratulations, he's the worst commissioner in college sports, period. Period. End of story. Period. I'd fire him today. He'd be gone. Done. <laughs> he needs to be gone out of there. Get another commissioner that knows, knows more sports than football. The basketball SEC's always last to the party. Last playing conference games this weekend. Every other every other Power Five leagues plays conference games, but not the SEC. Not till this weekend. That's why they're last in basketball. Kentucky's number one, and always will be, pal. See ya. Okay. Uh, don't know who Jeff's a fan of, but he's obviously not a fan of the SEC. Are right, we going to try to squeeze in Tom? Mid- real Middle quick. Tennessee. Is huh? Middle Tennessee. Oh Lord. Hey, good morning, Tom. Good morning, Gary. How are you? Right. Let, let, let me tell you something about Jeff. It's the time of the month when his meds have run out, and and at the at the hospital, uh, somebody's on break, and he's he, he found his way down there and found the telephone. But the main thing is his, his meds have run out, and, <laughs> and he really needs them. 
they really need them bad. I mean, you can tell that. But I agree with you, uh, has, uh, this, uh, loss of, uh, fastball. If anything, uh, I think Coach Saban has found some, uh, some extra juice for his fastball based on what we've observed this year. Oh, I don't think there's point, any doubt about you, it. You I agree with you, Tom. That it's probably his best coaching job given where this team started and the way we were carrying on after the uh, Texas game and then really carrying on after South Florida and then where this team went and how we were carrying on about uh, how good they were after carrying on about how bad they were. You know what? I think I need meds, Jeff, and uh, <clears throat> to tell you the damn truth. And uh, But but uh, I, I think that you see something in Coach Saban uh, that is the most important characteristic of uh, coaching. This day and age is the ability to adapt to what it takes to keep good players coming, A, and B, uh, what what it takes to keep uh, good players in the fold, and um, and he's doing that, and and I think it, it it just speaks to how what a great job he's doing as a coach is how is he's managing it, and is still bringing in top rated uh, recruiting. No, he's, listen, he's he's right there. I mean, they, Every, they... everything everything that you got to have to be successful. With a program, he's checking all the freaking boxes. Yeah, he's fine. And, uh, he's doing a terrific job. He's still motivating and I, the coach. I think and, anything, and, and he's gotten better. They lost. Anything, they, hey, listen, they lost a game to a really good team. It happens. Hey, Tom, I got to hit the break, man. Thank you. All right, appreciate you so much. All right, we'll be back with uh, Drudy Armin right after this on the Gary Harris Show. Since 2011, Billy Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big screen, high-definition televisions in both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. Billy's good food, good friends, and good time. Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And, of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. The best station in the state breaking down Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. week. He wasn't able to be with us last week, but it's a great morning to have him to recap uh, the Rose Bowl and um, look ahead to the national championship game in Houston between Washington and uh, Michigan, and also just kind of look ahead for Alabama football. Uh, good morning, Drew. How are you doing? Good, Gary. How are you? Doing great. Well, let's start with last night or yesterday afternoon, 
evening uh, in Pasadena at the Rose Bowl. Heck of a football game. Uh, wasn't the cleanest game, wasn't the prettiest game, but a hard-fought game. Alabama could have won, uh, but didn't. And uh, Michigan could have won and did. And, uh, you know, those kind of games, that's just the way it is. Somebody's going to you know, make a play to win it. Somebody somebody isn't. And you got to give Michigan a lot of credit. But Alabama had opportunities in that second half, I thought, too, uh, even though um, – I'm not sure they're the better team. I think Michigan, I think the better team won the game. But I thought Alabama had opportunities. And, and if Alabama could have gotten on top by a couple of scores, I think they would have won the game. But uh, they weren't able to do it. And uh, Michigan pulled it out in overtime, 27-20. to 20. Your your takeaways from uh, uh, the college football playoff semifinal at the Rose Bowl? Well, I just thought, uh, you know, Alabama made some nice adjustments at halftime. They got their ass handed to them in the first half for most of it. Um, you know, they, they didn't do a very good job up front on either line of scrimmage. And, uh, they were able to scrap, though, uh, and stay in the game. Will Reichert uh, goes out as the greatest kicker in Crimson Tide history. Um, he did his part. Uh, he, held, he holds every record, and he certainly bailed out the offense um, with a couple of, you know, long field goals. But, I mean, I thought that, you know, that they, they actually had a chance to drive and, and take even a 14-13 to 13 lead at halftime. I thought it came down to, you know, situational football. I mean, I didn't think Alabama was very good in the red zone on on offense. I know they punched a uh, you know Jace had a longer touchdown run and then he punched one in to start, uh, to start the second half. But I thought overall the execution wasn't real good in the red zone, um, and that's why they had to settle for the long field goals. And then I thought late, even when they had the twenty to thirteen lead, they had a chance to close the deal on defense. Uh, they didn't do it. And then not enough is being made. I know everybody's talking about, you know, the, the, the decisions, all the timeouts, and then the, and then the, the play call on the, on the fourth down and three. The bigger issue to me is the defensive line getting manhandled, uh, in the overtime and, and they weren't, they, uh, you know, they ran two zone plays and just ran it for 25 yards, uh, you know, and then scored with ease. So I didn't think the defense looked very good in the overtime. I, now, I'm not calling for Steele's head or anybody like that, not at all. I, I think Coach Steele did a good job. I, I do think that def- uh, the defensive line is a concern, is an issue. I don't think it plays with enough consistency. I don't think it plays with enough intensity and enough passion up front. And I think that's why they lost. And then I give Michigan's defense a ton of credit. Uh, you know, I, I don't watch a ton of Big Ten football. I'll freely admit I'm an SEC guy. Uh, so I'd seen Michigan, but... After seeing them up close, and you know, Jesse Minner and those guys, kudos. Uh, they did a great job with their scheme. Uh, they, they, Alabama's offensive line had improved, but they got exposed a little bit uh, in this game. And so now I, you, I would expect J.C. Latham to move on to the NFL. You're going to have to, you know, replace the right tackle. You've got a decision to make at center, which was an issue. It was partly injury, I think, this year, uh, certainly. With Seth, and then Seth also had some snap issues. Uh, I certainly think Seth a pretty good, uh, can be a good player. They have to make the decision: Does Seth want to continue to play football? Uh, and if he does, you know, does Alabama do they, do they go forward with him? Because again, I think experience matters. Uh, and if he and Milrow work all season, because this was their first year together, I certainly think improvement can be made. I thought Landon Dickerson got re- a lot better one year to the next, uh, but again. Or does you know does does McLaughlin want to you know start fresh somewhere? I don't know because he's a brilliant student. I mean, the young man already has a bachelor's degree and a master's degree. Uh, you know, just so does he want to continue with football? That's going to be fascinating. Uh, but again, I think Alabama's got a lot of weapons coming back. 
I think Milrow made a lot of progress. He's just got to make another step. And I think I still put uh, most of the struggles of yesterday on the offensive line, and I credit Michigan on defense. I think the biggest thing Michigan did where they held up that a lot of teams didn't is, Gary, when you look at it, uh, Milrow was 16 of 23, but for only 116 yards. Alabama, once or twice a game, had been able to victimize uh, a lot to some teams and make an explosive passing play that made a huge difference in the game. They didn't make so many of those against Georgia. They made maybe one, but, and then, but then when they had to, though, in the fourth quarter, they drove down and scored. I thought in a couple of situations, Michigan, I thought their, I thought their red zone defense was good. And then I thought their back end really held up, and they didn't give up the big explosive plays that Alabama had been accustomed to making with Jalen Miller. Agreed. They did. And, and, you know, of course, Drew, when you start the game, I mean, listen, Alabama went up 7 nothing. I mean, you know, uh, uh, near interception on the first snap, which was uh, given back to Michigan because uh, Downs was out of bounds when he jumped up to catch the ball, so they ruled that he was out of bounds even though he landed inbounds. But then still, you get the muff punt, you score a touchdown 7 nothing. But offensively, uh, they got, I think they were shell-shocked a little bit. I mean, they just didn't, they didn't seem prepared for what the pressure that Michigan brought. And they got, they just got shell shocked. And then I did think, even though he made some plays, I thought Jalen Milrow was tentative for most of the game. I, I, I didn't think that he played freely and even running the ball. He, he didn't seem to be as decisive as he should have been. And I thought even though Michigan missed the field goal afterwards, I thought the fumble was a big play in the game because at that point, Alabama had all the momentum and he slipped and he didn't get the ball switched over and he got it knocked out. I, I, I but I'm with you. I think Michigan's defense and their Coordinator Jesse Minter deserve a lot of credit. And I, even on the other side, I, I thought execution-wise, Michigan was a little bit better. And I thought schematically, Michigan was better than Alabama. I thought Michigan outcoached a little Alabama a little bit in the game. Drew, your response to that? I mean, it happens. People get outcoached. Uh, Alabama's been outcoached before. Um, you know, they just uh, – and I think some of the – some of their I, – I don't think they did a good enough job getting Bond the ball yesterday right. and kind of scheming that up with the quick game. Uh, I don't think, uh, you know, getting Kendrick Law the ball on the edges, they didn't do that at all. Uh, I, I thought the game plan was lacking in some ways. But, again, it all goes down to this, though. And, and, and I know a lot of people talk about Jalen Milrow, but it's the it's up front. It, you, you, they gave up five sacks the first half, sure and a lot. And I've been and I've been critical of Milrow and in, in, in him uh, take, having a big part in some of those sacks. But yesterday, I thought maybe only the last one, where you know in situ, situationally, and, and then Mil, and then Reichert bailed him out by making a fifty-two yarder. Okay, but I'm just saying, I felt like maybe he should have. They should have had a hot play where either Milrow takes off quickly up the middle, or really has a hot receiver to get the ball to. I thought most of those sacks, though, were on the protection. It just wasn't good enough. Agreed. And it wasn't just like, I mean, look, I, Proctor had a bad ankle. He got shot up and, and gutted it out and played, but it wasn't 74, just 74. I mean, you saw 56. You saw 52. Booker's a really good player. He got whipped one time, gave up a sack. It was everybody. You can't really blame one person. I just felt like overall – the offensive line struggled, and a lot of that had to do with Michigan and Jesse Minter and their team. They played really well. And then, uh, you know, in the Georgia game where Milrow, you know, had some peaks and valleys, but then when he had to, he put together the drives to win the game. 
this time it was on the other foot. J.J. Mm-hmm. McCarthy made right. the plays. Uh, he made some big throws. Uh, you know, and I thought that fourth and two play call was really good by Michigan. I give them credit. Uh, you know, look, I, I, I'm, I'm big on uh, sometimes you just get beat, and I just thought Alabama got beat. Agreed. I thought Michigan was better yesterday, and it was a great run for Alabama. It was a team that came a long, long way in a short time, and a lot of people thought that this team had no chance to win the SEC, no chance to make the playoff. But I still think this team should be remembered fondly for – like Coach Saban said, but again, it just wasn't their year, wasn't their time, and certainly, uh, you know, you, uh, you you tip your hat to Michigan and Jim Harbaugh, and uh, they're going on to play Washington, and that'll be a fascinating matchup of contrasting styles. Yeah, I think you said uh, you hit a lot of, of, of good points there, and I agree with them. Um, give Michigan credit. End of the game, um, you're down seven. In overtime, you get a ball to Burton, and of course, he, he hurt his ankle or his knee or something on that to play. We haven't heard anything more on that. I think maybe if he turns inside there, maybe he has a chance to score, or maybe he has a chance to at least get closer. But regardless of that, um, there were, Saban said after the game, we had three two-point plays in for this game. The first time, we had a great look against that defense. They must have recognized it. They called timeout. Alabama changed the play. They didn't have a great look, so they called timeout. And then on the third time, they, they ran the, the quarterback keeper. Uh, I do want to ask you about the execution. The, the snap was hard. It was low. I thought Milro, I'm certainly not going to say panicked, but when he went down to catch the snap, I don't think his eyes were where they needed to be. When you're pulling the right guard, which they did with Jaden Roberts, Drew, they pulled the right guard. That tells me that the, the play probably is supposed to go outside where it went just a little bit, maybe out near the left tackle. And and there might have been a little bit of a seam there. Instead, he took it right up the middle, and basically, J.C. Latham tackled him. I mean, J.C. Latham got pushed in the backfield and tripped him. Uh, do you think that was more of an execution execution issue than play call issue there on the final play? It was an They didn't block it up. I mean, Nick Saban said it himself. It wasn't blocked correctly. I mean, the snap wasn't great, but it wasn't horrendous. I've seen much worse. Uh, they just They got beat up front. And so they just didn't block it up. It was a called quarterback run. I saw some stupidity on X where somebody said it was supposed to be an RPO and he was supposed to throw it to the to the running back. That's total crap. It was a to- they called a run. Nick Saban said it afterwards. And so again, it just it wasn't executed properly. It didn't work. And so you got to go back to the drawing board. It's just one of those things where again, it was a chess game. Michigan won that chess game, and they won the game. I would have done a run-pass option myself. I would have given Milrow that I would have get, gotten him outside me and, and uh, given him the option to either throw or run it, but that's just me. Uh, I still think Tommy Reese had a really good year as his first year as OC. Uh, you know, I know there's a lot of people heaping uh, criticism on him because Alabama didn't win, but, again, I, I just think overall – he, he helped Milro develop this year and get better. Uh, Milro can still keep improving. Milro is the quarterback of this football team until further notice. He beat out Ty Simpson fair and square just because Julian Sand has shown up on campus and thrown some passes in Pascal doesn't mean he's supposed to be the quarterback. Is he very talented? Yes. But is Dylan Lonergan very talented? Yes, they are. But they're still developing. Uh, Milro took a lot of steps forward. I know uh, you know, he, that, uh, people will, will say, well, you know, he still has to improve as a passer and he does. But, and, and, you know, I had someone that I truly respect say, well, you know, he's, 
He's he was a developmental guy and raw in high school, and he still looks raw in college. He does, but there's no you know there, there's no substitute for experience. And this was a big year for him to get his feet thrown into the fire and to play. There's nothing like playing. And he played at the highest level of college football. He made a ton of plays. He beat some really good teams. It just wasn't Alabama's day yesterday. But you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You don't fire coordinators. You don't, you know, you change your schemes dramatically. You tweak your roster. You tweak your coaching staff. That's what the transfer portal's for. They've already started doing work in the portal. They've already done a great job in recruiting. And the recruiting's not over. Nope. And as I told somebody today, um, uh, you know, during talking ball, I mean, to me, it's not about schemes. It, it, it's about, uh, you know, it's about players. You got to have playmakers. They're going to lose Jermaine Burton, had a great year. Uh, and by the way, on that play, uh, Gary, Burton cramped up. He just flat cramped up after he tried to cut and make the guy miss. He didn't. He wasn't able to do it. But again, Alabama, they're just going to have to – it's very important to get Ryan Williams. I know he's only going to be a freshman, but he's the best player in the state of Alabama. He's an electric playmaker. You need somebody like that to help your quarterback. He'd be coming back and helping a guy in Jalen Milrow that's going to be one of the better quarterbacks on paper in the SEC. Uh, I think he can be a, a freshman All-American type guy. He can make a huge impact. And then, you know, and, and he'll, he can add a dynamic – aspect to this offense that was missing bond made some of these plays but you have him and bond and that's special and i think it's about players and then the one the biggest thing that i think we also found out in this game gary and it didn't go alabama's way today but it did back when we saw him kind of come into his own in 2017 we saw this in 2013 too we've seen this now three times with running backs for alabama in 2013 we saw Derrick Henry's breakout against Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl. Alabama didn't win that game, but we saw what Derrick Henry was capable of doing. Uh, in 2017, Najee Harris in the second half against Georgia, we saw what he was capable of doing. And yesterday, we saw Justice Haynes. Justice Haynes is the real deal. Uh, he and Jam Miller are going to be quite a combination. You've also got Richard Young. This has got a chance to be a special running back for Alabama. And so there are positives to take out of this game. Uh, and then I just think with Alabama now, it's Nick Saban. You've, you're probably going to lose some guys to the portal, but you've got to keep your core guys in place. Uh, you've got to make some coaching staff changes. And then you got to uh, get ready to take on a challenging schedule next year, but one with an expanded playoff where you got to feel like your chances going into the regular season are very, very good to get into the tournament. And if you get into the tournament, going to be a really tough out. Yeah, one thought on Ryan yeah. Williams, Drew, uh, because uh, Alabama recruits at such a high level. But so, there are certain players that they, they, they tilt the field for you, either for you or against you. Caleb Downs is an example. If Alabama doesn't get him and he signs with Georgia, there's a very good possibility that Alabama isn't in the playoff and doesn't win the SEC. He was that good. He made that big a difference, not just because you had him, but you weren't playing against him. Drew, I think Ryan Williams is one of those kind of players. Uh, and you, you get him. I think he he's a swing guy, and you have him. And then if you don't get him, you, you play against him. He can make a difference and, and a huge difference. Uh, he's, he is a guy that Alabama really needs to hang on to. All right, final quick thought on the national championship game. we got the two 14-0 teams really impressed with Washington, even though they, all, they tried to give that game away last night boy michael Penix put on a show and um they man i they're good i mean they just uh 
I, I've discounted them a little bit this year too, but that offense and those receivers and that quarterback are special. We don't know the status of the running back now going forward, but, uh, and then obviously Michigan's on a mission. How do you see that game? Well, I, it's just going to come down to the trenches, man. Can Washington's Joe Moore Award offensive line, which might be better than Alabama's, probably is, can they hold up against Michigan's pressure? Can they give Penix a chance to find these receivers? Uh, Michigan did a great job of covering Alabama, but they got pressure. If they can't get home, Penix will murder them because he is mobile and he's an outstanding passer. Now, Dylan Johnson, the Mississippi State transfer, it didn't look good last night. It looks like he may be out. Can they find a running back that's going to give them some balance? But it's going to come down to can they, can they block Michigan up front and then can their defensive line hold up against because you know Michigan's going to run the ball. They're going to do what they do. But here's the funny part. Alabama outrushed Michigan yesterday. I think it was 172 to like 130. And that's with all the okay. losses, too. Yeah. Yeah. So Alabama was able to run the ball better than Michigan. I think the key is going to be, is Alabama going to be able to hold up, or excuse me, Alabama held up in the second half and that's what gave them a shot to beat Michigan. But can Washington hold up in the trenches? Can they give Penix a, an opportunity to throw? And and can they? And, and Michigan's going to have to possess the football because Washington can't score if they can't uh, get on the field. So uh, Michigan's going to have to run the football exceptionally well. Uh, Corum's going to have to have a big game. Of course, no mistakes from JJ McCarthy, who's a winner. Uh, but it, it's a fascinating, uh, you know, uh, you know, contrast in styles. Personally. I would take Washington in a close game. I think they can find a way to make enough big plays. But, again, it's going to come down to can that Washington offensive line block Michigan? Because I thought Alabama would have better luck blocking up and blocking those guys, and they did not. Uh, they at Michigan's front and their blitz packages and their pressure was tremendous. Uh, and uh, I'll be fascinated to see if Kalen DeBoer and Washington can scheme some things up to have success. Great stuff, uh, Drew. As always, we're up against the clock. Folks, follow Drew on Twitter. He's a great follow. Drew977 ESPN. Of course, catch him on Talking Ball on, on, uh, ESPN uh, radio there in Huntsville, uh, 977 and, uh, every week here on the Gary Harris Show. Thank you, Drew. Thank you, Gary. All right, 953. We'll take a break. We'll come back and wrap up hour number one right after this. Catch Christian and Corey Miller every weekday here on Tide 100.9. Yo, what up, everybody? Corey Miller, the pastor, paying from the Miller's Edge, the Talking Tuesday, and this thing, we have a lot to talk about. We'll look at the Tide in Michigan. Who wins? Who moves on? And why? Tune in 11 to noon to hear Christian and Corey Miller break down everything from college to the pros on Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama sports. Yeah. 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny sky today. Tuscaloosa side 51. Tonight increasingly cloudy with a low at 32. Tomorrow cloudy and colder. Some light rain at times during the day. The high 42. And for Thursday, mostly sunny. The high 51. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 35 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. Oh on the Tide 100.9 app. All 
All right, 956, we're back in time to wrap up hour number one. It's been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union, member-owned and not-for-profit. It's just a better way of banking. In 2024, become a member of the Alabama Credit Union. Alabama Credit Union loans real life. Our big hour number two is coming up. We're going to kick it off with Rodney Orr from TitanInsider.com, TitanInsider TV, uh, the Titans Report with Kayla Anderson. We may be able to get to some Nick Saban clips and uh, some Jalen Milrow clips. Not going to promise you that. Uh, we'll try to squeeze in some more phone calls as well. So a uh, big second hour is on the way here on this uh, first edition of the 2024 uh, campaign for the Gary Harris Show. Gary Harris, Justin Jones, coming back with another hour. Keep it dialed in to Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. If you haven't already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after-hours events, rehearsal dinners, receptions, and birthdays. They offer brunch and lunch catering. Call Brick and Spoon at 205-345-5551 for more information. Hey, this is Old Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time at the Tuscaloosa Championship Golf Course. Everyone can play. 205-562-3201. Old Colony is operated by Para. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Nick Cope. The College Football National Championship is set next Monday night in Houston. It'll be number one Michigan and number two Washington, a pair of unbeatens. The Wolverines opening as four-and-a-half-point favorites. Michigan erased a seven-point fourth-quarter deficit against number four Alabama to get there. They beat the Tide in overtime at the Rose Bowl 27-20. to Bama QB Jalen Milrose stopped on fourth down at the three-yard line to seal it after Michigan running back Blake Corr scored what proved to be the game-winning touchdown on a 17-yard run. Then at the Sugar Bowl, the Huskies hung on against number 3 Texas, 37-31. The Longhorns had several chances to tie it from in the red zone, but on the final play of the game, Washington broke up the pass to the end zone. Michael Penix Jr. was outstanding, 430 yards, couple of touchdowns. Running back Dylan Johnson ran for a couple of scores, but left with injury. Now, this hour's West Alabama real-time news update from the Tuscaloosa Threat News the drought continues across West Alabama with National Drought Center labeling the entire area except Hale and Bibb counties in severe drought. Those two counties are in moderate drought. Rain Wednesday on again Friday and Saturday could further erode the drought, though. The Perry County town of Marion is again having water problems after two pumps malfunction. They are seeking bottled water donations. And Alabama lost more than a college football game yesterday. They lost linebacker Dallas Turner. He has declared his eligibility for the NFL draft. Get 24-7 local news coverage and sports updates when you download the free Tuscaloosa Threat app and sign up for twice-daily email newsletters. 
The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, here we go. Hour number two of the Gary Harris Show for this Tuesday, January 2nd, 2024. 2024 is here. Busy first hour. Going to be busy in the second hour as well. Gary Harris, Justin Jones with you here on Tide 100.9 FM, 1230 AM WTBC. Tide 109 app and Tide109.com. This hour of the Gary Harris Show brought to you by Patterson Comer, attorneys at law, Paul Patterson and Mike Comer. They do it right. They're local here with feet on the ground in West Alabama. That's important. Personal injury attorneys who uh, who take it personal. In other words, if uh, you do business with them, they're going to be with you every step of the way. You're not going to just talk to them on the phone. You're going to see them eyeball to eyeball. And if you do have to go to court, one of them will be in the courtroom with you. That's reassuring to me. You can uh, find out more at PattersonComerLawFirm.com. Paul is in Tuscaloosa at 205-345-1000. Mike's in Northport at 205-759-3939. And remember, Patterson Comer Law Firm is committed to the clients, and that commitment does not stop at the end of the workday. They're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. And we are going to start this uh, second hour off with Mr. Tyler Insider. Insider.com, Tyler Insider TV, and a little bit of a personal uh, note. I did not get on TylerInsider.com last night, uh, Justin. I stay off of it when Alabama loses. <laughs> it's not, I, I love the site. Obviously, when Alabama wins, I love going out there. When Alabama loses, it's not good for my mental health. So, Rodney, I haven't been on the site since uh, since before the game last night. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Gary, doing all right. I'm sure all all your your great members have got it all figured out. But uh, it, hey, listen, it's disappointing. It's disappointing anytime you lose, particularly around here. It's disappointing um, when you have a chance to win. Uh, but you know what? Those kind of games, just like we saw with Texas and Washington, when you have four great teams left playing in a college football playoff, and these are four really good teams. Um, you know, two two are going to win and move on, and two are going to get beat. And in this case, it was Alabama and Texas that went out. And, and for Alabama, it was, like I said, a game that they could have won. Uh, but I never felt comfortable. I never felt like that um, the game was in hand, and they could not get that two-score lead, lead, which this team's out of trouble doing a lot of anyway. And at the end of the game, uh, I thought Michigan out-executed Alabama, and they win the game in overtime 27-20. What did, what did you see, and uh, what, were, what are your takeaways the morning after? No, I think Alabama had a chance to deliver that knockout blow a couple of times there. One, one Milrow fumbled the ball in that possession, and then the other one they had 12 men on the field. And, I mean, it stopped a momentum drive that they had. You know, I mean, you got first and 10 at, what was it, around the 34 of Michigan or yeah, somewhere like that? There, yeah. 30. You, got, you know, and, and you get the first down, but you have then you have 12 men on the field, so all of a sudden you're starting out first and 15. You end up kicking a field goal. If Alabama scores a touchdown there, the game's – probably like 99.9% over, uh, you know, because Michigan might not have had two possessions 
uh, left uh, for sure. So I think Alabama probably would have would have been able to do that had they they scored there a touchdown. But anyway, with all that said, I, I was really fearful going into the game, and I said this on the TV show last week that you know Michigan's a really I. You know, really, again, I I think a lot of Alabama fans just thought they were going to roll in there and this was a Big Ten team that was really slow and all of this stuff. But they're not flashy, but they're very uh, methodical. They're they're very experienced team. Uh, You know, they've got a lot of really good players. uh, And and I felt like that this was going to be a tough game. And I felt like the experience that Michigan had uh, of being humiliated two years ago against Georgia – and then last year being totally embarrassed by TCU was made worse by TCU's championship game performance against Georgia. I thought a lot of those players, they played in those games. They were embarrassed. I mean, they had a lot to prove. And it's a proud program. So I thought that they showed up. Their veteran players showed up in the last four minutes and 41 seconds of the game. Yeah. They drove it down the field. They tied it in regulation. And frankly, they dominated the, the overtime. They scored in two plays. Alabama didn't really come close to tackling them. And then I was really concerned, too, when Milrow broke the run into the secondary and he didn't score on that play. Uh, I, I felt like, man, this is going to be tough punching the ball in here against this defense. And you know what? It was just uh, the, the bad snaps, again, continue to haunt Alabama. Yeah, Rodney, and, and listen, I, I don't want to put it all on McLaughlin because I think it's it's, it's a center quarterback exchange. I think that, you know, sometimes it's it could be other issues, but it is something that plagued this team all year. Uh, really should have cost them the Iron Bowl. I mean, they, that snap in that game, they were able to overcome it. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I guess I'm asking you, uh, and I know you're not a coach, but you follow the game very closely. You talk to coaches. I do too. How does something like that just, just, Never get fixed, Rod, I guess is what I'm asking. I mean, you had problems in the first game right on through the last game of the year. It just was something that that haunted this team. And I just can't, for the life of football, figure out how you can't get that fixed to the point that it still really hurt you yesterday. Yeah. And, you know, I I heard Herb Street's comments that he said, hey, this is partly on Milrow, and then I think the sideline reporter – Said that you know that Saban had said something to Milrow about this is partially on you too. I, I don't know really what again without knowing exactly what happened. It's hard to say. I, I do know that when you roll a snap back there, it's kind of hard for the quarterback. Uh, but uh, you know, and, and then some of the snaps were low. And uh, actually, I think some of those low snaps played in Alabama's favor. Um, you know, the way the plays kind of uh, panned out, but. Uh, I, I don't really don't know. You know, again, uh, we saw Kool-Aid McKinstry struggle with punts over and over and over again. And, you know, eventually that change was made. And I, I, I assume that he just felt like that, you know, whether it's Darian Dalcourt or whoever was the, the next guy in line to be the center, uh, would not have been able to, to handle the, the job in whatever ways. But so I really, I really don't know, Gary, other than to say I know Seth was injured early in the year. He had a little bit of a hand issue. But I haven't heard that that's you know plagued him throughout the year. So again, I, I really that's hard to explain. And on the final play of the game, um, and 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 I've gone through it this morning, but I want to get your your thoughts. Uh, Saban said afterwards that they had three two point plays for this game, and that was basically a two point play from the three yard line. Mm-hmm. They had one called. They had they loved the look. He said Michigan must have realized it. They called timeout. They call another play. They didn't like the look, meaning Alabama that they had against the Michigan defense, they call timeout. So Michigan calls a timeout, Alabama calls a timeout, and the third one was the quarterback run. I thought that it was 
misexecuted a little bit watching the you know, going back and looking at the play, uh, I think it was a straight run. I do not think it was an RPO. I think it was a run, and I thought that maybe Milrow could have taken it off tackle to the left side a little bit, but he did uh-huh. have to drop his eyes to get the snap because it was low. I just thought, I, I don't hate the call as much as I just hate the execution. I do think if yeah. it was me, I would have probably had an RPA, you know, a little roll him out, but I, I think if they execute that play better, they block it better, I think Milrow's good enough to score from the three-yard line, Rodney. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's... uh you know, again, I had a former Alabama quarterback text me just this uh, this morning and said, "Look, the play was not a bad play call." He said it was there; it was the execution. Again, you mentioned the snap; uh, it looked like over the left side there was a, a way for Milrow, the, the an avenue there. It looked like uh, the right guard Jaden Roberts was had pulled over that way, and you know had an opportunity to clear a path for him. But for whatever reason, I mean, he just went straight ahead. And again, I think it was probably the snap. And then, you know, I don't know if he panicked in that situation. You, you just don't know what the reaction or the reason for the reaction. But, uh, you know, it, it didn't work out. You know, it just, just didn't work out there. And, you know, I, I think, too, though, you know, as I look at that and you see that play, you know, Milrow in that position, you know, he's certainly very capable uh, uh, there on the goal line, dangerous. Uh, but I also think there's some other guys, you know, Kendrick Law, uh, you know, maybe on a jet sweep. I mean, he's so dangerous with right. that. You know, Gary, some of these guys with the ball in their hands, like a Kendrick Law, can a well-defended play, they can still beat that. And he's one of those guys that can do that. I, and be honest with you, number 22, with his vision, uh, and I know he hasn't played a lot, but he has a way to find a crease. Uh, and I think Roy Dell's really good at that, too. And Roy Dell was in the game, but they never really looked at him in the flat. It was, a, like you said, I think it was a straight run. Yeah, the Justice Haynes situation, and listen, Saban knows how to bring guys along. And I think you and I both feel like in 2024, Justin Haynes is going to be a, uh, he and Jam Miller are going to be, you know, they're going to be dudes back there in the backfield. But he, he got on a little bit of a roll, if you want to call two carries a roll, but he had back to back carries, man, where he gashed them. And then his shoe came off and he, and who knows, maybe it was a foot deal, but he, you know, he goes off on the sideline. We don't see him again for, it seems like, a, I guess my point is it looked like he was about, they were about to be able to ride him some. And much like early in Derrick Henry's career, I just kept waiting for Justice Haynes to be back in there, right? It got, it frustrated me a little bit because I think Justice Haynes had the potential to have a hot hand yesterday. And, um, you know, they didn't, they didn't give it to him enough in my opinion. Yeah, he, uh, he's got a real special ability. He's got vision. I mean, his vision is on another level and he hits it pretty quickly, uh, when he sees it. So, uh, yeah, no, he, he ran the ball really well, but I thought Jace, man, he, Jace had one of his better games. Uh, I thought Jace ran really well and it's unfortunate Jace has had so many injuries in his career. Uh, but you know, he scored a couple of touchdowns yesterday and, uh, thought, thought he ran the ball really well. And I think, you know, obviously Justice Haynes is a guy that in the future, probably starting next year, uh, he's a guy that's going to be one of the, the key figures in, in terms of carries. Uh, you know, Jam Miller uh, in there. And I, I assume that both Jace and Roy Dell will be gone. I'm just assuming. Uh, and so if that happens, you know, obviously you've got Jace, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Justice Haynes and and jam and then also you know it's going to be interesting to see with richard young you know what what he decides to do after this season so uh they got three young ones and and then they got two uh well they've got one coming in that signed kevin riley the local kid and there's some buzz that daniel hill over in meridian might actually be headed this way as well so we'll see 
Rodney Orr with us from TyrantSutter.com, Tyler and Sutter TV. Of course, more analysis coming up tonight. Tyler and Sutter TV ought to be fun tonight at 6.30 on WVUA 23. All right, let's look uh, big picture for a moment with Alabama football. What a, what a heck of a year, Rodney. I, I, I'm, you know, I said on social media last night, I'm, I'm going to argue that Alabama overachieved a little bit with this team. Uh, mm-hmm. to navigate through the SEC to go 9-0, and to win the Southeastern Conference Championship, to get in the college football playoff, to go to overtime against Michigan. Yeah, you want more, but I think it was a heck of a year. But, uh, this is the first time that Nick Saban's gone three years without a national championship he's been at UA now you look ahead and before we get to portal and finishing off and recruiting and all that and roster management just coaching staff wise obviously Coleman Hutzler is leaving to become the defensive coordinator at Mississippi State that opens up a spot on the defensive staff although one coach has been hired already for some type of role the former Michigan assistant and I apologize my name escapes me Rodney you can you can tell it uh, but, yeah exactly and uh so what do you think staff wise do you think that uh, there'll be some be some changes here uh, on this on staff with either coaches leaving on their own or maybe Nick Saban wanting to go in a different direction what do you think happens staff wise well, I hope not. I mean, I hope that they, uh, you know, everybody stays intact that because you like that continuity. I think it's a good staff. I think offensively they've got a really good staff. Now, I don't know what Hilo's spot is. Like you said, is he going to be the outside linebackers coach? And if he's not, I mean, if he just was brought in for, you know, sometimes Saban brings guys in and just, uh, you know, have them do the an- an- analyst type stuff for, uh, you know, these bowl games and, uh, but again, I, I'm just going to assume, I'm only assuming that Helo's probably going to be the outside linebackers coach. I don't know that. Okay. But now I'll tell you what I, what, you know, just kind of, if I'm looking at it and if, if you could do this, uh, I think it would certainly enhance your defense is if you've got that spot open at outside linebackers and it's not Helo. Uh, and I don't know that this is even a consideration. But I would strongly consider moving Freddie Roach to outside linebackers and bringing back Bo Davis back. I think Bo Davis is the premier defensive line coach in America. And I think, you know, having he and Freddie up there on the front, you know, with Freddie coaching outside linebackers, that would be a, a pretty strong duo. Uh, you know, I don't know if that's even a consideration. It's not, and look, I want to be clear. I thought the defensive front played really well in the second half. You know, Michigan Gary at one point only had 23 yards in the fourth quarter. You know, of the of the second half. You know, it, so Alabama played well, but I think you know up front defensively. Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, if they could do that, if they can make that happen, that would be a a great move. But again, I don't I don't know if it's even a consideration. Rod. Um... I want to get, and, and I talked to Drew earlier this morning, Drew D. Armand already too, but, um, the Alabama's put together a heck of a recruiting class. Man, they're really, they're really doing what they do in the portal, which is, was try to fill needs. Um, but we know in, in, um, February, um, Alabama is, is going to try to sign a few more guys. Uh, Daniel Hill is going to announce this weekend. Mincy, the defensive back, expected to, both of them to sign with Alabama. And then there's Ryan Williams too. And, uh, I, I want to ask you about Williams because I drew this comparison with a defensive player this year. And, and, and that, of course, is Caleb Downs. Certain guys, I, I know Alabama Cruz at Hollywood, but there are certain guys that make a difference right off the bat. You, you know, not just because you sign them, but because you don't play against them. Imagine if Caleb Downs had signed with Georgia. I don't know that Alabama wins that game. <laughs> I don't know if they're in that game. That, that's the kind of impact he had. One guy. He was that good. 
I think Ryan Williams is that kind of player. You you get him, he makes a difference for you. And if you don't get him, and you have to play against him, he could he could help beat you. Uh, how critical is it in your mind? And I hate to put this much pressure on one recruit, but I we saw it with Downs. We've seen it with other guys. You know, we've seen it with a Julio Jones. You know, we've seen it with guys through the years that they 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 swing the pendulum one way or the other. How critical is it in your opinion for Alabama to hang on to Ryan Williams and sign him in February? Well, I think it's a lot of perception. I mean, I think he's a great player, but I mean, Alabama's got a ton of great players, and I'm not, you know, belittling Ryan Williams at all. I think he would be a huge pickup, and he would be a massive pickup for Auburn for what they're trying to do, you know, on the rebound. So, but, you know, again, I, I think uh, it's going to be real interesting to see because I, I, you know, Auburn has struggled in terms of throwing the football over there. I mean, you look at their quarterback situation, and you're kind of saying, okay, who's going to be your guy? And you look at Alabama's quarterback room, it's it's pretty loaded. There's no doubt about the younger players. that it, It's really loaded. But, you know, uh, you know, Auburn may come back and say, look, Alabama threw for 116 yards in this in this playoff game. You go back and you look at the Georgia game. You know, they haven't exactly lit it up throwing the football. Uh, you know, they, they've had a solid passing game. So I, I don't really know what, you know, what his decision is going to come down to. I mean, uh, is it going to come down to saying, hey, I see all these quarterbacks Alabama has. Uh, I know how they develop receivers. Uh, or, you know, is, is he going to, you know, could he possibly be swayed by Auburn? I think that's going to be a real interesting thing to see how it happens down the stretch, and supposedly he is going to take that final visit to Auburn. So you never know. But, I mean, everything I've heard has uh, is, is been fairly positive for Alabama. But uh, I guess we'll see on February the 9th. And is it your expectation that Mincy and uh, uh, Hill will commit to Alabama? Well, supposedly they've already signed with somebody. And, you know, when I guess when people start throwing in crystal balls for a particular school at this point, uh, that probably means, Gary, that at the All-American game where those players are right now, that these reporters that are there covering that game have heard some buzz that, you know, both of them signed with Alabama. I'm not saying they have. I'm saying that's probably what's happened. And that's why these guys are all making those projections, uh, you know, for Alabama. And, and, you know, I think we thought Zay Mincy, that was probably going to happen. Now, you know, Daniel Hill had kind of gone back and forth. So, uh, yeah, that, that would be two really good additions to this class. Rodney Orr with us from TiderInsider.com, Tider Insider TV. All right, I already got a message uh, this morning from someone who says Nick Saban lost his fastball, which I just laughed. I, I thought his fastball had more juice on it this year than in many years to, to do what he was able to do with this team. So I will ask you the Nick Saban question. Um, I... I think he's phenomenal. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed when people say that he's lost a step or slowed down with what he just, just did. I, I see a resolve and I see a determination to continue to, to navigate this program, Rodney. I just don't, um, I don't sense any, any slowdown or give up in Nick Saban myself. What do you think? Well, I, I mean, I think you got to look at history a little bit. I mean, I think 2013, they were going for three in a row. You know, they didn't get there. They lost to Oklahoma. And there were a lot of people saying, okay, he's losing his quarterback, McCarron. You know, they, they, and 14 doesn't look good. They managed, it was very similar to this season in terms of how they managed through that season. And they had to go with Blake Sims at quarterback. Blake did a fantastic job through for 3,400 plus yards, 28 touchdowns. You know, they got beat in the first round. You remember that? They were favored against Ohio State 
They had the game. You remember that. Ohio State came back and won. And uh, a lot of people said, you know, here's Alabama throwing for the end zone. It's a 42-35 game. Kind of a very similar type thing to what happened, you know, yesterday. Uh, So, you know, I I don't see – Ohio State won the national championship in 2014. What if if Michigan wins it uh, here next week? So you lost in overtime to the team that just won the national championship. You got a lot of great young players. This was a young team. You had some key staff changes. Um, I don't think he's lost his fastball at all. I just really think that there's a lot of teams that are more competitive uh, than they once were. And, you know, uh, I think Alabama's going to be really strong again next year. Wrapping it up with Rod Newark from TiderInsider.com. Final question, Rod. Uh, the expanded playoff, uh, we know that's coming uh, in this 2024 season. We don't know what else might come between now and, and August. Uh, do you think there's going to be any effort to change the rules in regards to the portal, in regards to NIL, to try to have a little more control over what's going on in college football? Or do you think we'll limp along and go into next season under the same kind of what I think now is a messed up format uh, in 2024? Do you think that something will happen before then? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I wish I did know. I, I think the sooner the better. I don't know how quickly they can get a grip on all of this stuff. It's kind of really spiraling out, you know, control. And I guess now, I don't know if it's been approved. You may know. Uh, now they're they're pretty much saying if, if someone wants to transfer a second time, and, and they're doing it anyway, so I don't know why they've got to approve it. I mean, it's they're not stopping anybody from, you know, some guys are hitting the portal for the second or third time already. Uh, now they're talking about putting some kind of academic ties to that where it would limit a player in terms of his transfers based on where he stands academically. Um, you know, the progress that he's made. So maybe that's something. Who knows if that would hold up? Uh, I, I really don't know, Gary. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you. You know, did you hear what K.J. Bolden said yesterday? I did not. The five-star, yeah, the five-star oh, safety out of Buford, Georgia, signed with Georgia. You know, he's committed to Florida State for a long time. Yeah. Auburn was recruiting him extremely hard down the stretch. Hugh Freeze basically said they thought they had him. And he, I don't know who he was referring to, but he said yesterday one school offered him $3 million. Holy $3 million. <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, I don't know what, you know, I don't, I don't know, man. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. It really is. All right, Rod, like I said, we got Tider Insider TV tonight at, uh, at 630 on WVUA 23. Of course, uh, as I said, I'll, I'll probably get out on TiderInsider.com here soon. I just, I, I just didn't want to get on it last night after that loss, but I know it's kicking. I know, uh, a lot of folks have all the answers and, uh, all you got to do is spend $48 for an entire year and you can share in the community. You can get all your recruiting updates. It's, uh, it's still probably not probably it is the best value on the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, TiderInsider.com, only $48 a year, and you can get access instantly with your credit card if you prefer. There is an address there to send a check. Talked about the premium information, but also, Gary, it's the All Sports Forum. It's our community there. We're in there talking a lot with the with the members, and uh, there is a ton of exchange. You're right. It's really, really been rolling. I mean, I don't know if it stopped last night. I mean, it, it continued on through the night. And so, uh, you know, like we always say, it never really ends there on TiderInsider.com. And uh, finally, uh, I, I want to get one more thing in. Bigger than Bama, um, oh, yeah. book mm-hmm. is available, 
and um, tell people how they can get it because I know a lot of Alabama fans want to uh, want to purchase it and read about not just your story in regards to Alabama football, but some of life issues that you faced. And uh, you put a lot of time and effort into this book, and it's available now. Mm-hmm, yeah. Look, you can go to RodneyOr.com. It's real simple. Just go to RodneyOr.com, uh, and you can find it there. You can place your order. Uh, I know the publisher, the printers are getting uh, cranked up again this week after taking a few days off. Um, you know, we put out some advanced copies last week, but got a great reception, great reviews so far. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's a lot of Alabama football. It's a lot of talking about some of the inside coaching stories from Dubos to Franchoni to Price. Uh, have a really good one about Price that involves Gary Harris. It's really funny. Uh, in his you know, taking your phone calls, Gary. I'm not going to spoil the story, but it's a good one. <laughs> uh, but but just all the stories that we have there, you know, the hiring process of Mike Shula, but also the the hiring process of uh, you know uh, Nick Saban. And while I was covering the greatest story of my career, the hiring process of Nick Saban, I was also dealing with the greatest tragedy, uh, a drug addiction that my wife was uh, eventually succumbed to. Uh, but uh, all of that, I want to. You know, certainly emphasize the the life aspect of it as well. But we we tie it all together. Ray Mellick helped me kind of tie everything together. But uh, it's bigger than Bama. Awesome, Rodney. Thank you. Okay, buddy. Take care. All right, Rodney. We're great. All right, we got to get to the break. We got to come back and and I'm gonna try to get us back on time. I went way over. We have Kayla Anderson coming up shortly uh, with college football and the Titans report. And I'm still gonna get to my thoughts on Alabama and and uh, not Alabama, but Washington and uh, Michigan too coming up. But we'll be right back after this. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny sky today, Tuscaloosa side 51. Tonight, increasingly cloudy with a low at 32. Tomorrow, cloudy and colder. Some light rain at times during the day, the high 42. And for Thursday, mostly sunny, the high 51. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 40 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Follow the Crimson Tide on their journey to another national championship. On your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Ten twenty-eight, and uh, we got to get back on time. So appreciate you being with us, and uh, we're going to come back with Kayla Anderson uh, with the Titans report out of Nashville and uh, we will talk some pro football and we'll still get her thoughts too on the on the playoff and I know she picked Alabama to beat Michigan she used to work in Montgomery and she's uh, went to Washington State which is Washington's rival but she picked Washington to beat Texas so she got one out of two we'll visit with Kayla Anderson next right here on the Gary Hare show we'll be right back y'all still with us 2011, Billy Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big screen, high-definition televisions, both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. 
Billy's, good food, good friends, and good time. I was diagnosed with breakfast. If you haven't already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after-hours events, rehearsal dinners, receptions, and birthdays. They offer brunch and lunch catering. Call Brick and Spoon at 205-345-5551 for more information. As much as Innisfree has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 special. Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., get a meat and 3 vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch soup, salad, or sandwich combo. I'll see you at the free. Covering University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local Local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back in. When you hear the sweet sounds of Chris Stapleton, Tennessee Whiskey, you know it's time for Kayla Anderson with the Tennessee Titans report. Of course, Kayla, uh, Emmy winning television sports anchor and now one of the hosts of Ramon, Kayla and Will on 104.5 The Zone. And she uh, updates us every week on the Tennessee Titans and not much to be said this morning about the Titans, but we'll talk about them anyway. Good morning, Kayla. How are you? I know. I've unfortunately it is the new year, but it's the same old Tennessee Titans. Oh Gary. Lord! Uh, and because they're, you know, we're just trying to really, really now just play off the string. I want to start with college football because we had John last week, and you picked Alabama and you picked Washington, so you got one out of two. Uh, let's start with uh, the Rose Bowl. Heck of a game. Alabama could have won it. Uh, but they didn't. And, and, and watching the game, I really felt like that, uh, and I said this last week, even though I picked Alabama to win, I talked to some people in Ann Arbor and they said they felt like it was Michigan's time. And I think it is. Now, I don't know if they're going to be good enough to beat Penix and that crew, but, um, you know, they gutted it out. They hung in there in the fourth quarter when Alabama had a chance maybe to separate a little bit. And in the, uh, you know, they dominated the first half and were only up three, but then in the overtime, they dominated the overtime. Two runs to Corum and then in the end zone and they're able to stop Milrow on fourth and go at the three and, and Michigan gets the win. What'd you think of the game? Well, first of all, I thought it was spectacular. I, I thought both semifinal games, is that's what we're looking for mm-hmm. when it comes to a college football playoff. Mm-hmm. And I, to have the games be as close as they were to come down to the wire, literally in each game, I mean, nobody can be complaining this morning. I know if you are an Alabama fan or if you're a Texas fan, it's not a son um, because those teams had losses. But, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better game in both scenarios and i'll start like you said gary with alabama and it's almost like you know it ended or it started it ended the way michigan wanted it to but really i gave alabama full credit for coming out uh, at halftime and making the adjustments they needed to make and clearly um you know we're able to start running the ball and i think you kind of felt like the momentum had swung in the way of alabama And in the third quarter, especially, it felt like that. And I honestly felt like they were going to be able to pull that game out. And I, you look back at Jim Harbaugh and, you know, like him or not, you're rolling the dice on fourth down back in your own territory. And I feel like that is where everything started to shift in their favor. And sure enough, um, they were able to, you know, pull it out in the end. And 
give Blake Corum a lot of credit. This is a kid who I think should be like the guy who is the poster child for Michigan football right now because he is gritty and he, you know, is a guy who's coming back from an awful injury and been able to do what he's done this season and continues to kind of be the, the reason why you look at Michigan and can't count them out. I mean, they're a gritty, hard-nosed football team who likes likes the, um, I guess, storyline of being a little bit of the underdog, which I know not everybody would say that, but they sure felt like it this season, and they've kind of continued to play out that role, even in games like this where, um, you know, obviously Alabama, a lot of people thought Alabama was a better team. Great game, and as you said, in the, in the Sugar Bowl, same thing. We had two great semifinals, and uh, Blue Bloods crossed the board, but the two undefeated teams beat the two one-loss teams. And 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 I tell you, that finish in the Sugar Bowl, you know, I know Alabama fans are disappointed, and Kayla, I know you're a Washington State girl, but if if Washington had blown that game last night, you talk about an ejected fan base. I mean that they had that game in the bag and almost, yep. I mean, almost let it get away. And and fortunate probably that they didn't get a pass interference call on that final fourth down play for for Texas. But Michigan hang, I mean Michigan, Washington hangs on, and and Penix is incredible. That offense is incredible, but boy, that defense almost let them down at the end last night. And, Gary, this isn't actually anything new for this right. Washington team. They have been in situations, remember the first meeting with Oregon. Um, there, you know, that was kind of a game where it, it could have probably went Oregon's way. Um, and I think they are a team that's interesting to watch throughout the season, too, because just like you said, it seems to me Michigan's year, it seems that everything has gone right for the Washington Huskies this year. I mean, even in the Apple Cup battling my Washington State Cougars, the Cougars were the better team on the field that day. But Washington just seems to have some magic mm-hmm. this season. And that's why I think this is going to make for a heck of a college football playoff um, final because both teams seem to have the perfect setup for winning a national championship this year. And I think it will be great because Washington, obviously, with a high-potent offense, now they are going to possibly be without their running back who got injured unfortunately at the end of that game but you know Michael Penix Jr. I think he's a little salty that maybe he wasn't the Heisman winner and he's using that as motivation here down the stretch and at least you can say you ended your season with a national championship if that ends up being the case and maybe the Heisman doesn't sting so so much in that case so I think he has a little extra motivation right now too yeah the Dylan Johnson injury is huge for Washington the Mississippi State transfer he's such a bull back there and and of course in that injury last night he couldn't help it but that almost cost them the game because they didn't get to run that 40 seconds off and and Texas had a shot but it is it is Michigan it is Washington so you could say it's because of the way that the, the, the Big Ten got it over on the SEC because Texas is coming into the SEC. Washington's coming into the Big Ten. And so that it'll, it'll be some to some degree a Big Ten matchup. Who do you like between the Longhorns and the, the Huskies? Yeah, I mean, between the, the Wolverines and the Huskies, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's tough because with Dylan Johnson possibly out, like I just feel like he, he especially towards the end of the season, has really been um, a good thing to have for this Huskies offense just because it doesn't put the uh, – all the pressure on Michael Penix Jr. And look, he's clearly going to be facing a really solid defense. I mean, we saw what especially the defense did in terms of shaking things up in the first half against Alabama. Now, they were able to make some adjustments, and and that was a little better in the second half. But this is going to be a really solid defense that the Huskies are going to face. I don't know. Maybe this is just me, but 
I feel like Kalen DeBoer is such a, like, neutralized type of, like, doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low type of coach. Like, I just feel like he's such a great head coach, and he's been able to get this team, you know, over the hump this year and has been able to get these wins, even if they're close games, and they've won a lot of close games. I'm going to stick with, just because it's the final thing to go out for the Pac-12, unfortunately, I'm going to stick with the Huskies in this one. I think the Huskies' defense has at times been shaky, and you mentioned towards the end of that game, but you hope you learn from those moments um, on a national stage, and that does not happen again. I just don't think Michigan's offense is as potent, um, and if they have a good game plan, which I do feel like Kalen DeBoer will have, I think it will be close, but I'm going to pick the Huskies uh, going out with a bang for the Pac-12. Yeah, and, and, and watching that game last night, as good as Jaden Daniels was, I, I think Michael Penix should have won the Heisman Trophy. I mean, just yeah. my my opinion. All right, let's uh, – usually we save the best for last, but in this case we save the worst for last. But let's talk uh, Let's talk Titans. And you and I have discussed it every week. There, there's been opp- – there were opportunities this season for this team to go in a different direction. Uh, but it didn't happen. And all the heartbreaking losses, all the games where they snatched defeat from the jaws of victory, it just kind of seemed to come to a head in Houston this past Sunday. Just an embarrassing performance. I know the, the Texans had uh, Stroud back at quarterback. Quarterback, and, and I don't think we expected Tennessee to win the game, but uh, this was one of those where I mean they 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 were just pitiful. I, I mean you're midway through the second quarter, you got 38 yards total offense, and just uh, embarrassing performance. And this is a team now that you know just appears to be pulling out the string. I know the Texans and the Colts are hoping that they can rise up against Jacksonville on Sunday in Nashville. Uh, I don't see it. I, I just thought you know, and I love. Variable and I love his intensity, but and I never like to use the term quit because I don't think professional athletes ever quit. But they weren't engaged in that game, Kayla, at all. Well, no, and you know you put your quarterback out there, the future of this franchise, and you know I wasn't opposed to it a hundred percent, but you knew the risk that you mm-hmm. were going to you have did. putting Will Levis out there um, in back of a line that. Like, Gary, this is one of the worst Awful. offensive lines They're terrible. I've ever done in my career. Yeah, college or pro. I mean, it's just so bad, and you knew what could possibly happen, and guess what? Will Levis gets stepped on, that, that right side. He's already had the ankle injury. Now he has the right foot stepped on, and I don't know what, um, you know, he will be doing here moving forward for this game. We'll find out with practice tomorrow, but... Um, needless to say, I don't really even know if you needed to put him out there. You kind of have seen what you have in a guy like him. And I always know, um, you know, the more reps, the better, right? And you want to get some positive momentum heading into next season. But the the fact of the matter is, is there's not a lot of momentum you can get from the last two games of the season when your offensive line is completely um, in shambles and a much of the line will be replaced or needs to be replaced next season. So I think that was tough to see with Will Levis being injured. Um, the left side of that line, Gary, no matter who you have this year, when it comes to the tackle position, it's not good enough. And in my opinion, there's not even a question of who you draft um, with what looks to be the seventh overall pick. I mean, you got to go with the tackle there because if you don't, you're going to be trying to fix this line for years to come, at least start to try to be homegrown with it in this draft and then you know maybe sign some guys in free agency. Um, but other than that, like the defense, they're down to nothing. I mean, that secondary, 
I want to say there's backups to backups playing at this point. Um, it's just overall, it's a really, really bad product that's on the field right now. And it's easy for fans to blame Mike Grable. I get it. He's the head coach. Um, I just don't think it really is necessarily coaching. I, I think it's just you don't have the guys out there that compete to compete with other guys on the field every Sunday. Um, the talent's just not there. And that's going to be the job of Rand Carthon and him in this offseason. You've got to be smart in free agency with the money that you now have. And you've got to nail your draft picks, especially those uh, first and second rounders. Kayla, is there any thought that uh, it is a home game and it's the final game and you're playing out the string, but is there any thought that, that, that this team will, you know, in addition, and we know they're limited on the field, but, you know, show some pride come out and and really dedicate themselves to trying to play spoiler on on Sunday. For one thing it's a it's a it's a rival, you know, an AFC South rival. Do you expect anything out of the Titans this weekend? Uh any chance that they could pull an upset here? What's tough about that, Gary, is I think they're always capable of being that team. Um because Brable does like continue to say, hey, we we want to go out there and win games. And we've talked to the guys in the locker room the past several weeks. Like they don't want to go out there and lose a game and Honestly, they're trying to put tape out there, too, for whether they come back here or they get a job somewhere else. So it's not like these guys are trying to not look good out there. The problem is, Gary, is the AFC South is such a cluster. And last week, the Texans had a ton to play for, Mm -hmm. and they knew that. And they know they're in the driver's seat if they win out in terms of the last two games. They've got the Colts to end the season. And now the Jags are kind of in a spot where they've got to win. And whether that be Trevor Lawrence, who starts on Sunday, or the backup from right here in Nashville, C.J. Beathard, look, the Titans haven't been good against backups either this year. So it's really tough. I think they'll go out there and put, put, you know, as much as they can on the field and leave it out there because they know the fans deserve it. The fans have actually been great at home this season despite all the losing. Um, But I I just don't think they can overcome the talent deficit on the field when it comes down to it. And just for the other team having so much to play for. All right, Kelly, you've already touched on it a little bit, but but moving forward, um, you've said, you know, you think Vrabel's back and, uh, you know, the front office has got a lot of work to do. Um, you know, Henry's going to be gone. Tannehill's going to be gone. I don't know what they have there that's trade value. Obviously, the draft is critical. I don't know if you can move Malik Willis for anything. I don't think people around the league see him as a starting quarterback so uh, what parts do they have uh you know what can they do in the off season uh this is a division where you know everybody's pretty close and and they were close this year believe it or not as we've talked about to being in this thing uh, a few games go the other way what can they do in the off season to make sure that this doesn't repeat in 2024 yeah and it can't repeat because if it repeats you are going to see things blow up in terms of the coaching staff. I, I just, I do not see any scenario if they do not improve this next season. And I'm not saying they need to go win the Super Bowl next season, but there has got to be vast improvement in, in several different uh, places on the field. And I think that's what's in their favor is definitely the fact that they've got a ton of money this next year. And they have not had that in a while. It's been a reason why. They haven't been able to be competitive the last couple of years because with all the bad decisions former GM John Robinson made, and you're kind of digging yourself out of a hole now, there just wasn't the money to fix those those positions. You were kind of going out and getting non-starters and asking them to be starters this year. 
And, and some of the guys were good signs and some of them not so much, uh, specifically Andre Dillard at left tackle. Like that did not work out by any means. Um, but they're going to have the money to go make some decisions. Uh, you look at the secondary. I talked about that, Gary, um, whether they sign Sean Murphy bunting back and then they end up maybe drafting a, a corner higher. Uh, that might be a, an option, but you've got to sure up that that secondary. It is just, it's young. Um, there's not a lot of experience back there, and they've definitely got to sure that up. Maybe you, you find a corner that you can sign in free agency. It might cost you a little, but it's worth it. Um, and then you look at the line. I mean, I said it. you got to draft a left tackle. And I know it's hard sometimes to skip over maybe a skill position, but how is that going to benefit these wide receivers if you don't even have a quarterback that can stand upright. I mean, that's the whole thing. You've yeah. got to at some fix the line. And um, so they can do that. And then, you know, you, you can just continue to try to fix the coaching staff. Maybe you you figure out, you know, this this isn't working um, for this situation or the line coach. Like, they've, they've got options now, but Mike Rabel has got to not be the stubborn guy he's been. Um, in the past when they were winning, now he's got to make some crucial decisions. And I do, from what I'm hearing, I think there's going to be some massive turnover, um, not just with the roster, but I think some of the personnel as well. All right, Kayla, I'm going to get you out of here. But I did just kind of nonchalantly say Henry uh, won't be back. I guess I should ask you your opinion since you cover the team. I just don't see him fitting into their future plans. But, you know, is there a shot that they might try to re-sign him and, and bring him back? Well, you always you know, hear that saying, there's always a chance, like, right? So you're saying there's a chance. Right. Uh, there is. There's always a chance. And the, the one reason you say that is, by the way, congratulations to Derrick Henry getting another 1,000-yard season. It was a hard 1,000, um, but he got there. <laughs> it was. It was. And DeAndre Hopkins as well. So that was actually the silver lining in that game. You got both star players getting to a 1,000 yards a season. Uh, as hard as that might have seemed to be, they did it. Um, so give those two individuals credit. But, I mean, I think a lot of it you could look at and say, hey, Derrick Henry, perhaps he wants to retire uh, in the two-tone blue, and maybe they, you know, say your your role might be re- reduced, and Derrick is fine with that because he realizes at this point, hitting 30 on January 4th, um, what, what he is as a back and, you know, how much he has left of the tank. Or, you you know, Derrick wants to go win a Super Bowl somewhere, and I could see that being the case, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like it would be best for both worlds if they parted ways. As tough as that sounds, and as much as you want to retire with the the, the team you came in with, and he's so beloved here, um, I just feel like it might be best for both worlds to kind of move their separate ways. I agree. I think it's just time. Great stuff as always, Kayla, and uh, tell the listeners where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me on the X or um, Twitter at Kayla Anderson TV. I cover everything from college football to, of course, the Tennessee Titans and the NFL in general. And then, yeah, check out our podcast, Ramon, Kayla, and Will. Uh, that is on anywhere you go and find podcasts. Thank you. Thanks, Gary. Thank you all. All right, 1049. Uh, we're going to take our final break. Before we do, though, I want to mention to you the YMCA of Tuscaloosa. Uh, new year, new time, new uh, beginning, you know, time for 
the changes that you want to make in your life, and one of them needs to include the YMCA. I'm just going to tell you right now. Until January 31st, no sign-up fee at the Y. Uh, that gives you a lot of incentive to get joined up. It's the perfect time of the year. Like we said, this is when everybody wants to to start anew and and begin those New Year's resolutions, and they're they're. Only resolutions if you make them happen. And to make them happen, you got to put in the effort. No signing fee, no joining fee between now and January 31st. So the entire month of January, you can join the YMCA without a joining fee. Get the membership started. Get in there. Do the work, but let them help you with an incredible facility, great personal training, fitness classes, whatever you need, and just a great community of people. That's the YMCA of Tuscaloosa. All right, we'll be back with the final segment of the Gary Harris Show. We didn't have time. We were busy. I'm sure there'll be other shows that play Nick Saban and Jalen Milrow for you. So, um, you know, we wanted to focus on analysis and phone calls and guests, and that's what we were able to do. But I, yeah, we may have time for one Nick Saban comment when we come back. We'll see right after this. Wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny sky today, Tuscaloosa side 51. Tonight, increasingly cloudy with a low at 32. Tomorrow, cloudy and colder. Some light rain at times during the day, the high 42. And for Thursday, mostly sunny, the high 51. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 41 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 1053. We got a few minutes left. I'm, I'm going to get a little Nick Saban in. I don't want to close it. You know, let's just play because, you know, he, he always has a lot to say. And uh, before we get to questions, let's just play. This is his opening comments last night when he came in the media room at the Rose Bowl following that 27-20 heartbreaking loss to Michigan in overtime. Yeah, well, um, obviously we're very disappointed about the outcome of the game. Uh, I don't think we played great in the first half, but I was really, really proud of the way our players played in the second half. We just didn't finish the last four minutes of the game uh, like we'd like to, and we're all very disappointed, and the players are disappointed as well. Uh, but one thing that I told them in the locker room after the game, this is one of the most amazing seasons in Alabama football history in terms of where this team came from, what they were able to accomplish, and what they were able to do. Uh, winning the SEC championship and um, really, really proud of this group. And um, you know, I just wish that I could have done more as a coach to, you know, help them be successful and help them finish. And all we can do now is learn from the lessons that uh, sometimes failings bring to us. All right. I, listen, I, I think that that was a great opening statement. I think both those things can be true. I think you can be disappointed in obviously the loss and not advancing to the national championship game. And still be very pleased and happy and satisfied with the kind of season that you had. I, I know some fans don't believe that. You know, they just see the loss and we didn't win the national championship. We didn't make it to Houston. I, I agree with Coach Saban. Uh, I, I think you can, I, are you disappointed? Sure. 
But does it change the fact that this team had a phenomenal season and won the Southeastern Conference Championship and and won the Iron Bowl at Jordan-Hare on a fourth and down and, and uh, goal from the 31-yard line and beat a Georgia team that had won 29 straight and got to the college football playoff and was involved in an incredible game that went right down the wire? Yeah, you, you, both those things can be true to me. You can be satisfied and proud of your accomplishment and still disappointed with how it ended. I don't have any problem with that. And I know I've, I'll get a little pushback on that. Oh, Alabama, if you don't win it all, well, you know what? Alabama doesn't win it all every year. <laughs> In fact, do the math. After Coach Bryant, they went 13 years without a national championship. We got time to squeeze this call in or is it for the next show? Justin. All right, let's squeeze in a phone call. Who is it? Aaron. Aaron, real quick. Aaron, we got a minute, man, so you got to go fast. Very quickly, it's Saban's greatest job. I mean, it's a long, long way from the halftime at the the South Florida yes, game sir. in Tampa, Florida, to losing in overtime to the number one team in the nation. Yes, sir. This is his greatest job of coaching that he's done in the 17 years. So let's hope that he will knuckle down, buckle down, and put in another 17. Yes, sir. Thank you, Aaron. Happy New Year to you. Our perfect way to go out. Good call there from Aaron. Uh, I agree. I mean, Saban is, is still on top of his game. All right. I want to thank Justin, obviously, for uh, his work as always. And we're back with you tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. on the Wednesday Hump Day Edition. 2024 is here. Alabama's not in the championship game, so we kind of start now transitioning into full-fledged basketball as Alabama opens the SEC schedule. I think it's Saturday at Vanderbilt, right, Justin? A Saturday game, so they've got this week off. But I didn't even mention them, but they blew out Liberty on Saturday in Birmingham. Probably Alabama's best game of the year. I mean, they were absolutely dominant. So going into the SEC with some momentum, we'll be talking more about that. We're getting ready for gymnastics season. Softball's right around the corner. As soon as football's over, you need to start making that transition, and we'll make it here on the Gary Harris Show. All right, plenty of more football discussion, though, coming up today. You can bet on that, beginning with Miller's Edge coming up next at 11 a.m. For Justin Jones, I'm Gary Harris. Thanks for listening. This hour's been brought to you by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law, and we'll be uh, back tomorrow with the Wednesday edition of the Gary Harris Show. Have a great day, everybody. Listening to the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Life doesn't wait for when you're.